Welcome to Madison Avenue Presbyterian Church. We hope this message encourages you and inspires you to serve God and your neighbor. If you want to learn more about our ministry, head over to mapc.com. If you're looking for a community where you can deepen your faith, we invite you to join us every Sunday at 1030 online or in person. that I can identify with Elijah these days. Not so much the Elijah we see in the story leading up to today's passage. God sends Elijah to anoint new kings and to anoint Elisha as his successor. Elijah's work is not done yet, but God has chosen a successor. There's a promise that he will be done at some point. Elisha becomes Elijah's servant until Elijah's work is accomplished and God takes him up in the whirlwind. God gives Elijah what he needs to carry on. God affirms Elijah's call through his presence on that mountaintop. God sends him back and provides him a helper, companion, and successor in Elisha. How are we supposed to hear God's repeated question to Elijah, what are you doing here? I think the first thing that most of us hear is that God is scolding Elijah. What are you doing here, Elijah? But why would God scold Elijah when God gave Elijah the food he needed to get there in the first place? When the angel blessed him with nourishment for the long journey to meet God, on Mount Horeb. Maybe God really wants Elijah to ask himself that question. God asks it twice, and Elijah gives the exact same reply each time. What Elijah is saying through his complaint is, I've tried. I can't do anymore. I'm all alone. I think what Elijah is really doing there is seeking God. What are you doing here, Elijah? Here on this holy mountain, here where I revealed myself to Moses and gave him the commandments and sent him back down the mountain to lead my people. Remember, Moses was also going back to a people that had turned away from God and were worshiping a golden calf in Moses' absence. God doesn't send his leaders and prophets back to easy tasks. Elijah might have thought he was there because he had had enough. But he was really there to meet God, to hear God's renewed call, and to be sent back to carry on God's work. Perhaps that's the question we need to ask ourselves or hear God asking us. Whenever we seek out the wilderness, or simply a time of prayer and quiet, perhaps in the midst of worship, during communion, or during times of Sabbath that I know are very hard to keep. What are you doing here? What are you looking for? What are you fleeing? What is God calling you to? 
When we feel like the world is just too much, I would suggest that we pause. Find a symbolic mountain of God, a place or even just space or time where we can listen for God's voice, God's questions of us, God's word that sends us back into the world, God's presence that sustains and directs us. On this Juneteenth, when we celebrate a second Independence Day, the day enslaved black people in Texas first learned they were free, we hear Paul's words to the Galatians. There is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male or female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Paul did not mean that the differences between us are erased. He continued to acknowledge and speak to all these different various groups. As one commentator wrote, the unity is not one in which ethnic, social, and sexual differences vanish, but one in which the barriers, the hostility, the chauvinism, and the sense of superiority and inferiority between respective categories are destroyed. Clint Smith, in his book, How the Word is Passed, writes this about Juneteenth. Juneteenth is both a day to solemnly remember what this country has done to black Americans and a day to celebrate all that black Americans have overcome. It is a reminder that each day this country must consciously make a decision to move toward freedom for all its citizens. And that this is something that must be done proactively. It will not happen on its own. We have a long way to go until true equality exists. And there are many people working hard to keep inequality deeply entrenched. It's easy to feel hopeless, to fall into despair and give up. But the work of dismantling racism is part of what God calls us to, what God sends us back down the mountain to engage in. It's easy to retreat into our comfortable lives, to hide in a cave of our own making, but God calls us out to the mouth of that cave and asks us, what are you doing here? And sends us back into the world. I pray that we will never face people who want to kill us, like Jezebel wanted to kill Elijah. But working for positive, real change in this world is not easy, and it is often not popular. When the gulf between the haves and the have-nots in this world continues to widen, doing God's work means taking on the haves to try and make a more equitable world. When our society values and worships wealth and power and guns, it means challenging those values and calling people to the way of love, compassion, sharing of resources, nonviolence, service, and lifting up those who are oppressed and downtrodden. That's the work God calls us to, and that's what it means to follow the way of Christ. 
Like Elijah, we may find ourselves overwhelmed and just wanting to flee. In those times, God welcomes us into a space of quiet. God comes to us in silence, sustains and renews us, and then sends us back into the world to carry on God's work. When Jesus healed the Gerasene man, driving a whole legion of demons out of him, the man begged Jesus to come with him when he crossed back over the sea to Galilee. Jesus said, no, return home and declare how much God has done for you. The healed man was sent to witness to God's healing power to a people who did not want to have anything to do with Jesus who were so afraid of his power to drive out the demons that they asked him to leave. Faithfulness is a fearsome thing. It's not easy. Our world is full of troubles and fear and discord, and we can't escape that. Not if we want to remain faithful disciples. God sends us into the world to live as Christ's body, carrying out Christ's work. We need to make time and space to be in God's presence, to find sustenance for our journey as faithful disciples, to ask ourselves, what am I doing here? And listen for God's response. And then we need to go back into the world and engage with it in whatever way we can to faithfully follow Jesus and live into God's kingdom of justice, righteousness, and love. Yes, faithfulness can be a fearsome way to live in this world, but as God's beloved children, how can we choose any other way? <laughs>